All things automotive with the petrol head, Nicku Smith. He's on the line, he's on the couch, he's drinking his coffee. Don't forget, if you've got any questions for him, you can SMS us 41391. You can WhatsApp us on 0614104107. Or you can uh, go on to Twitter at SAFM Radio, hashtag SAFM Jet Set Breakfast, or at Mish Constant, and send in your questions. Nico, how's that coffee going, Don? It's gone. Good morning, Michelle. How are you? <laughs> going, going, going. Yeah, gone. When, when we eventually speak, the coffee's already. Um, I actually made it about ten minutes ago, but I make little strong coffee, so it's uh, it's done in a flash. But are it's you, a nice spike to get the go going. Are you the kind of guy who grinds his own coffee? Yes. <laughs> okay. Should, that, Michelle, that was actually not a great question because you should know that about me by now. Yeah, I do. <laughs> Well, I, don't, I grind the beans. I don't grind the coffee, but yes. Okay. <laughs> he grinds the coffee beans. That's our Nico, our petrol head. Start sending your questions in for the man now. Nico, you wanted to talk about the all-new Mazda CX-30. Yes, Michelle. Um, um, I spent – remember a while back I explained how it works with test drive vehicles. So I spent mm. a week with this car, and I was actually really sad to give it away. Or give it, really? not give it away, but give it, yeah. Give it away, give it away, give it away. Give it away, give it back. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I was actually quite sad to see it go. Yeah. Um, so you've got some images. Let's start um, as per normal with the outside. Um, the exterior. Yes. What do you think of the exterior design? Okay. So this is, is this actually an SUV? Yes, it's an SUV. It's more, yeah, you're right. It's actually a good question because it's, you can, I think you can call it a crossover. The manufacturers have so many names. It's interesting Almost each manufacturer would have a different name and some of them would be similar. So this is actually sort of in between an SUV and a car. So okay. if you would look at um, a CX-5, which is its bigger brother, yeah. it's, it, it's, this is much lower. And if you compare it to a normal car, this is a little bit higher. So this is a little bit in between a car and an SUV. It has more of an SUV feel, but it is a little bit lower than a normal SUV. But, but really, uh, what I like is simplistic um, lines. Very yeah. aggressive, those that saw the car. I have some friends that um, have a CX-5. So I said, hey, come look at this CX-30 and tell me your thoughts. And they, they like the aggressive styling. The, 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 you know, it has a nice big grill, nice, very nice aluminium details or aluminium-looking details, and then lights that sweep around the front, the bonnet. Yeah. So very, I think the design, in my opinion, is very um, simplistic, yeah. um, but not in a bad way. Um, Mazda talks about Mazda Kodo. Uh, which is the soul of motion design philosophy. So it's more towards a design that is simple as opposed to a lot of details. Nowadays, I look at some cars and it almost looks like they're over-designed. Yeah. They're, they've tried to add too many things. We're here. We're aiming for simplicity as well, um, uh, definitely on the outside of the car. There's certainly, when I look at it, I mean, I think, you know, there's so many cars that have that kind of muscular line mm. on on the side. The fact that they don't have that kind of you know, the kind of very muscular lines around them. It's, it does make it far more simple. As exactly. So, so more sweeping lines at the back. Is, um, oh. You have a, 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 almost a, a round design at the end of the lights, and then the lights sweep to the inside and to the front. Um, and again, much more simplistic. Um, so you have the top of the, um, the CX-30 is body colored, and then the, over the bottom of the bumpers, is a black plastic, so yeah. um, but it doesn't look bad. I don't, you know, sometimes in, in, in older cars, always the cheaper models had this 
black plastic around the wheel arches. It doesn't look like that. You don't get the feeling of more of a cheaper design. So overall, I think it's, from, especially from the front, very muscular and sporty, um, but more clean, uh, much more of a clean design. What about the interior? Yo, what a nice place to be. Um, <laughs> I, I tell you why, because um, with cars, it almost again feels like there's two different philosophies. Yeah. Um, that if you look at most modern cars, there's touch screens and lots of things going on. And what I really valued about the car is the simplicity inside. Yeah. Um, it, it, it feels like there's not, um, it, there's not a, there's a lot of functions, but it's, it's more in a simple design. In other words, you have a screen that's actually monochrome. Um, we have a lot of manufacturers. So if you like more the lights and lots of things going on on the screen in different colors, then you're not going to like this. If you like something that's more simple, so it's, it's really about a simple design, then um, that that's something that you like in the Mazda. Also, it's not a touch screen, but actually has a, a controller behind the steering wheel where you control the main screen. And then the, the driver's display is uh, half digital, half analog. So analog is a normal rev counter. So the rev counter is a normal rev counter, and then the yeah. speedometer is a digital display. But what's actually really good, what that impressed me, is a lot of the time manufacturers do this. I've seen it in other cars as well. So the speedometer or oh, the rev counter is, is, is a normal analog. The speedometer is digital, but they don't really match. They've got it right where if you just looked at it quickly, you would say that they either both are digital or both are analog. Yeah. So um, And then you can change the, the driver's information. So you can change the look of the, the speedometer, but it's well integrated and as I said, I like very much like the simplicity of the design inside. So, okay, so you're really like rate, you're rating the, the simplicity of the outside design, you're rating the simplicity of the internal design, the ease, mm-hmm. the ease of use internally. That's what it. Um, is the driving experience? Um, very, um, both quality is really good. So the driving experience is really quiet. So it's quiet inside when you're driving it. Um, because it's a bit lower, it also has a very nice sporty feel to it. Mm. So the, 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 the dynamics of, of body really, not that you're going to, this is a type of car that you're going to push, but <clears throat> the, the, it feels very well planted. And actually, it also has much more of a relaxed character. So when, it's weird because you would think all cars you want to drive um, in a certain way, but I've always found some cars to be very relaxed when you drive them. And I felt some cars really just want to go all the time. This is one where you're very calm and relaxed. You never feel you want to rev it hard. You never feel you want to race with it. You almost feel like you're just going with the flow. So I think that simplicity has gone into the right. So very quiet um, and, and very um, uh, yeah, quiet and comfortable ride. Engine-wise, um, it has a 2-liter motor with 121 kilowatts and 213 newton meters of torque. So this is, again, a, a different philosophy to the competitors because the competitors all would have smaller, or not all, but most of them, would actually have smaller engines with turbochargers. So this yeah. car is not, not turbocharged, but Mazda have what they call sky active technology. In a nutshell, effectively, an engine has a mixture of fuel and air. Yeah. And if you can make it breathe better, in other words, you can add more air, then you can add more fuel, so you can, can, make, you can add a bigger bang. So instead of having a turbo, it effectively um, makes the engine breathe better. So the performance, that's why the torque isn't bad. So some of the other the cars um, I've driven that are normally aspirated, you feel like you have to move them along a bit. You need to rev them. But the torque here is actually quite good at 230 newton meters. So it doesn't feel like it needs to be revved that hard to get going. Nico, is this the kind of car that one could go uh, on long distance and maybe even difficult roads? Yeah, definitely. So 
I don't think it's a, a, a if you're looking um, at very serious off-roading, for, definitely not. If you're looking at um, gravel roads, that's okay. But um, if it because a car, it's a little bit lower, so it's more more like a car. It's not a um, off-roady type vehicle, any type of vehicle like that. But if you're going to rural areas that the roads are still okay, then you could do it. If you're driving in the city or long distance, it would be great. Um, definitely in that regard, it would be good. But there's, of course, always an, uh, uh, a, 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 let's say, what shall we say? There's a different opinion or a different way. Or there's, there's a, there lies the rub, let's put it like that. <laughs> Where if you look at the competitor in its own segment is the CX-5, which costs the same money. So if you look at this, which is sort of mid-sized, you can buy a CX-5, which yeah. is much bigger and higher and has more space for exactly the same price, which is an interesting way that Mazda does this. So um, that becomes a, an interesting choice. Would I take the CX-5, bigger, more space, or would I take this that's lower and more like a car? My friend definitely with the CX-5 thought they'd rather take this, and I actually am of the same opinion. If space isn't important, then uh, I would rather take the CX-30. So, okay, let's talk about the price, seeing as you've uh, uh, landed that. Okay, so as I landed it, the price... Um, so there's three versions of um, the CX-30, um, and the one I drove was the 2-litre active at 469,000 rands. Oh. So it is still... Yeah, so it's... I think it's really... Well, it's still a lot of money. You know, it depends on, on where you place the car or what, what, <laughs> what your financial situation is. Definitely, it is a lot of money, but um, definitely, it's also a lot of cost. So there's three versions, the active, dynamic, and individual. So 469 for the active, 499 for the dynamic, and 540 for the individual. Um, it isn't all plain selling. There are a few things that I think are missing at the price. It's still a lot of money. Um, so some of the, the, the things that are a little bit what that are lacking, in my opinion, is climate control need, uh, needs to be standard at this price. If you look at the competitors, some of them offer better specs. So climate control isn't standard, which is something I'm so used to. If the car doesn't have it, especially this price, I find it mm. maybe lacking at the price yeah. as well. There are no parking sensors at the back. Now, I personally don't mind them because I can park. Um, it's interesting um, that um, uh, the, the guys I speak to at dealerships, they say the cars with the most scratches are the ones with parking sensors. So even though there's a parking sensor, the cars are still scratched. But at this price, you would expect a parking sensor at the back. You might even expect a rear view camera. Um, but the, the no parking sensors, no climate control, I think those are two things that are maybe missing. It may be navigation, but not, not a necessity at this price. So there's one or two things that I, I think um, you might want to go for the next level one, as I said, which actually, if I if I had to pick, the, the Dynamic at 499 would probably be the pick of the bunch. But then again, it's a lot of money, so suddenly there's a lot of competitors knocking at the door. So, okay, so, um, and Nord 200? Oh, Nord 200. Now, you, you see, now let me just get my Nord 200 out there. Um, Nord 200, <laughs> where's the figures? So, yeah, um, Did I you try like not to? I have a thousand. No, I didn't because that's definitely not something I'm going to do. 9.95 is the clay, is the uh, Nord 200. Um, it's weird because this car is, uh, what I liked is the, the relaxed manner. So I never felt, okay, let me push it a little bit. I think once or twice I, I revved it a little bit more, pushed a bit more. But for most of it, because the character is so relaxed, it was an easy, comfortable drive. It has a six-speed auto, but a torque converter, so more a conventional auto where a lot of the competitors go to twin clutches. So it, it definitely has pros um, with comfort and quality. 
Um, but there are some things that the competitors have a bit stronger, I think, in um, they might have a little bit more spec. And then there's a lot of choice for cars. So you can look at the Hyundai Tucson, the RAV4, uh, the Hyundai Creta, the Nissan Qashqai, the Volkswagen T-Roc. There's a lot sure. of cars that are actually in, in, that, this, in that space. Yes. Yeah. Nico, with the all-new Mazda CX-30, that's our petrol head. Gene in Durban said, I've had the CX-5 for four years. It's a fabulous car, mm. but the servicing side has been an absolute nightmare. I think that the Durban service department needs a wake-up. So hey. it's lots and lots of places one can go and get um, the car serviced, I'm assuming. Exactly. I think sometimes, to be fair, um, some dealerships are just shocking. So you get a shocking dealership, and they just don't know what they're doing. They're not looking after you. And then you go to uh, one in another town and they are fabulous and they, they really look after you well. So um, that's like any business, unfortunately, or any franchise. You, you, some franchises do it better than others. So it's a little bit sad to hear because I really think this car um, should be in your consideration if you have 500,000 rands to spend and you're looking for an SUV because I've enjoyed it. And as I said, Michelle, the, the biggest thing is I missed it when I gave it back. That's an indication. Or, or when I drove it, I thought, hey, this is a car I could really drive myself. And that's yeah. normally for me an indication saying, okay, that's actually a pretty good car um, and it's worthwhile considering. 10 to 9, we're chatting to Nico, our petrol head. Quite a few of your questions coming in. We'll go to them right after the break. Michelle Constant on SAFM. Nico, I've got a couple of questions for you. Someone, Vince, says, uh, I'm thinking of buying a durable, reliable, low-maintenance and sure-footed road-holding double cab. So which one of the following would you buy and can you rate them? So he's gone A, a Amarok, B, Navara, C, Hilux, D, Navara. <laughs> Amarok, <laughs> Navara, Hilux, Navara. Yeah. So Amarok is the one that's the closest like a car. Um, uh-huh. So if you want something to drive, um, so they double. Let me just confirm it's double cabs, Michelle. Yeah, double cabs. So Amarok um, is the one that's the closest to a car. So if you want a comfortable ride, Amarok is the one to look at. The 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 the, the Amarok is the most expensive out of the bunch. Um, the Hilux is the one that is got a, 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 the most popular out of the the, the four, although two are the same. Um, Hilux has, has, has a lot of um, um, support, although Volkswagens and Misses are actually the same. Hilux is very popular, so what you're always going to get with a Hilux is you're going to be able to sell it um, quite easily one day. Um, the Navara um, has also got a lot of backup with Nissan. Um, it's just, I think, recently got a facelift. The Navara is named twice, so I'm not sure if that's the buck is so nice. It's on the list twice. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and maybe that's your choice if you have it then. Um, you know yeah, what? Yeah, there's sell? something subconscious going on there. That's what Vince? I think. So go, so yeah. go for the Navara if you have it twice, because all all three of those are great. All three of the, those are good support. Um, uh, as I said, out of those, Hilux would be the most popular in South Africa. If you ask an average of uh, hundred South Africans, they would pick the Hilux. If you look at the most expensive, the Amarok, the, the Navara is well balanced and not. It's not going to be as strong on resale as the other two the Navara, but it, that's not going to be bad on resale, but the other two would be much better on resale. So, Eleanor says, where is the Ranger on the list? Well, that, that, well, that's maybe he doesn't like Ford. So, it, it's simple. You, you, can, you can start adding all the other buckies in the list, but Ranger is just not on his choice or on his radar. Some people that don't like certain brands. So, it's a case of, you know, on my list, I don't like the Ranger for what, not, that's not what I'm saying, that might be his 
reasoning, um, Vince, is that's not uh, on my list because I'm not a fan of Ford. That could simply be why it's not on the list, on his list. Someone uh, thinks that the Hilux out of the three is for better resale. Stephen hmm. in Cape Town says, Hi, Nico, perfection is achieved not when there is nothing more to add, but when there is nothing left to take away. What do you think is the most perfect or simple vehicle for a car hater like Stephen? Yo, say that again because I have to think about this. Read the question again, please, Michelle. Perfection is achieved not when there is nothing more to add, but when there is nothing left to take away. What is the most perfect or simple vehicle for a car hater like Stephen? Take this. You know what, Michelle, this Mazda CX-30, <clears throat> because um, it was a car that was, in my mind, the simplicity was really evident when I climbed in. There wasn't a lot of buttons, a lot of functions. Um, the screen display was very clear, very simple and extremely well laid out. The, 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 the instrument cluster was well laid out. Not hundreds of functions that you had to get used to. This, the pairing of the phone was simple. So um, it's always difficult because I don't know what your budget is. There's so many choices. But if you're looking for simplicity, um, and, uh, and that's, that's definitely the feeling of this Mazda. There were never things that I thought was missing. And they were, uh, it really felt like they said, what can we take away to make this car as simple as possible where everything works, everything is clear, and it doesn't have lots of features that would overwhelm you. This Mazda 630 is actually, if that's what you're looking for, a great choice. So there you go, Stephen. Nico is suggesting that um, you could go for the Mazda CX-30 because it is so simple and indeed may then align with that uh, saying, perfection is achieved when nothing is more to add, but rather nothing. there is nothing left to take away. Um, so um, Kat wants to know, could the terms minimalistic and safe apply. Do you think that the car is safe, the um, all-new Mazda CX-30? Yes, minimalistic for sure. And, and as I said, that's what I like about it. Um, safe, definitely it has seven airbags as standard, driver, passenger, side airbags, putting airbags, and a knee airbag. Um, I think it has a five-star Euro in-cap rating. I'm not sure. I'm, I'm guessing. I think I saw it on the site, but I'm not sure. So if you want to check Euro in-cap, um, Euro, like European, NCAP, NCAP, EuroNCAP.com, search for under Mazda Search 630. Um, and if you want to look at the safe car, that's the best place to look at um, the rating because it's independent. Um, they test most cars. Um, and if, if the car gets a five-star, you can go for that car. So we've got France on the line. France, thank you so much for joining us. Michel, good morning, and good morning to Omniko. <laughs> <laughs> Hi, France. How are you? <laughs> I'm great, thank you. Um, uh, um, I just want to find out um, about the, the electric vehicles, you know, yeah. the way they've been marketed to come down mm. to our continent and mostly South Africa, uh, because they've been introduced for a reason, you know, for climate mm. reasons um, in the U.S. mostly. But when coming to South Africa, you know, most of us, uh, like for me, I'm in Kulukwan, but I'm based in Pretoria. And when I have to go home, come holidays, I have to drive long distance mm. and others will go to Eastern Cape, KZN. But with an electric car, that is going to be impossible for most of us, you know, uh, for those vehicles to be introduced in this country. So from your own opinion, how long do you think, I mean, that market will work in a country like South Africa? And for most of us, I mean, who are in the fuel business, I think um, we still have a chance, you know, to go on for 20 or maybe 30 years before I retire in that line of business. <laughs> What's your opinion on it? 
Okay, France, that's a great question. I wish we had more time. So I'm going to try and do a, a short one in the three minutes left. <clears throat> I like, uh, let me start it by saying I like electric vehicles a lot. I think they're great things to drive. They are quiet. Um, they're quite efficient. Um, they, the, the, the power and talk delivery is really good. Uh, the, but I would agree with the sentiment of long distance. So South Africans currently are, are quite averse to electric cars. They're not fans of them. And there's a lot of kickback. Um, ESCOM doesn't make our lives easier because, of course, we need to charge the cars. Although I think that actually is a problem that's easily to, uh, able to be uh, able to overcome. But people would use ESCOM as an excuse not to buy electric cars. Some of the downsides still electric cars are expensive. They are cars that at least mm. cost a million. Um, Volvo just launched XC40, which I'm hoping to drive or get to test soon, which is a brilliant little car, but it's still a 1.2 million rand car. So for most of us, electric cars are, are out of the question. Also, um, electric cars are not long-distance cars. Whatever the manufacturer is saying, practically it still doesn't make sense in South Africa because they talk about charging times and they say, with a 150-kilowatt charger, which is something you can't get in South Africa. So electric cars are ideal if you live in a city, in a big city. So if I had a lot of money in Pretoria, um, I would buy my, make my second car an electric car because I love them and I think they're great and I think they work in the city. Because whatever happens with load shedding, it still charges overnight and you can still do at least 300 kilometers. But when you're looking at long distance, I would agree with you completely. If you're driving to Polokwane, you could probably make it on one tank um, or one charge because, as I said, 300 kilometers is no issue. But if there's a lot of long distance driving, then those cars don't make sense um, because the infrastructure still isn't good enough. The, the other side is the manufacturers are moving towards electric cars. There's a big push from all manufacturers. So the reality is we need to wake up in South Africa. We need to get the infrastructure right, um, and the manufacturers need to bring in those more cost-effective cars. But I can't currently see um, uh, petrol or ice. Uh, we talk about ice car, internal combustion engine cars going away simply because of the long distance we have to travel um, but the focus of manufacturers is to push for more electric cars. Volvo has said, I think, by 2030 that they don't want to make any more internal combustion engine cars. But the, the manufacturers worldwide can't just look at Europe and say, our oh, infrastructure is great here. They've got to look at other countries where the infrastructure isn't great. They've got to look at Australia, where the distances are huge. Um, they look at South America, where it's also a different story. So I don't think ICE cars are going to go away, but I think more and more there would be a push for electric cars Manufacturers need to bring the cost down so that they're more affordable to most of us because yeah. they're out of reach for most of us. Um, right. But if, yeah, that's what I would, but I would still, I think still they're great, but they're great for city cars, not long distance travelers. And such a great question, Franz. Thank you so yeah, much for calling brilliant. us. It was nice to have people on the air as well. You can say yes or no to this question. It comes from Gary and Hazyview. Is the yes. BMW V8 4.4 liter the best engine ever made? No. <laughs> It's nine o'clock. It's time for the news. Good morning.